Welcome to Aligned Attraction, the go-to intimacy podcast for powerful women. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lee Noto, master intimacy coach and psychedelic therapist, and I help powerful women like you unleash your wild feminine power so you can create heart-throbbing love. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts on love, sex, and relationships, and I'll also coach women like you to create the most delicious transformation in their love lives. You ready? Hello, lovely. Welcome back to the show. It feels so good to be back. You may have noticed that I took a recording hiatus for quite some time, and I've spent the last few months really going inward. Something you might have noticed that's different about the show is that it used to be called The Way of the High Priestess, and now it is called Aligned Attraction. I am going to tell you all about this change and all of the exciting things that are afoot. And I have a really, really special offering for those of you who are listening and you are a single woman who's ready to start attracting the love of committed masculine men. So I am going to tell you the whole backstory of how the way of the high priestess became aligned attraction, what aligned attraction is, I'm sure you can guess from the name, and what this offering is all about. Now, the teaser that I'll give you before we get to the end of the episode, because I really want you to have the backstory to how all of this came to be, is that this is the only love experience of its type. I do not even consider this to be just another program on love, just another program for single women wanting to attract love. This is an entire experience that if you play full out throughout this experience, you will become a completely different woman. Or I'll say that differently. You will become the woman you have always known yourself to be inside, but somewhere along the way, you forgot that powerful, badass, attractive, magnetic force existed inside of you. And this love experience is going to help you reclaim that. And a natural byproduct of that reclamation of yourself is attracting really high caliber, committed men. Okay, so that is my teaser for what aligned attraction is. And I'm going to tell you all about that. I will definitely make some plugs throughout the episode, but I really want to take you back to the beginning. Because, of course, what would a main attraction be without some foreplay? (laughs) I really like to build the energy up, as you know. So let me tell you a little more about my story. And I, I often share bits and pieces about my life and my experience through love, relationships, intimacy, and sexuality on the show, because that's what this space is all about. That's what my work in the world is all about. And that's what my mission is in this life is to help women really create a deep fundamental sense of safety within themselves such that they can really be the fullness of who they are. And, you know, that is 
finding a space of deep love and acceptance for ourselves, finding a place of our most authentic expression, uh, and really living our best lives, our most expressed lives, our most sensually and sexually deep lives. Because what the hell else are we doing if we're not doing that while we're walking this earth? And, you know, this really starts with my story and a struggle that I faced for decades of my life. And that was relationship. Now I've, I've had many very deep, meaningful relationships with male partners throughout my life. And I feel very fortunate for that, but there were some really tried and true patterns that I played out that for a long time in there, I was not willing to see or I just was completely unaware that these patterns existed and that I was at cause for these patterns for why I could not seem to find the love that I really longed for to keep a relationship or to really remain attracted to a lot of my longer term partners. So at the peak of my dating experience, I was this successful single woman living a really fulfilling life in New York City. And I will tell you that I loved the vibe of hustling and achieving and performing and doing hard workouts and going and being social, making money, traveling. I had great relationships with family. I had great relationships with friends. By all intents and purposes, I, I had a pretty great relationship with myself. But the one thing that was not clicking for me was men. And that seemed odd to me because I'm like, here I am, this, you know, woman, this attractive woman in New York City, arguably one of the most sexually vibrant cities in the world. And I could not seem to create the relationship that I had really longed for. And there were many, many things at play for that. Now, if you are listening and you find yourself in a similar position where you have, you've created a wonderful life for yourself, you're high achieving, you're a go-getter, um, you have other great relationships in your life, whether that's with coworkers, business partners, family, friends, et cetera, you have created a career for yourself, but this is the one area you're like, how do I do other parts of my life so well, but I just cannot seem to crack the code on love. That was absolutely my story. And if this is sounding familiar for you, then I want to take you back to parts of my story. And I invite you to listen for yourself where there might be similarities or something that I say that resonates for um, something to think about in your life. Now, until I started deeply studying developmental psychology, until I got into the world of coaching, into the world of mental health, into the world of personal and spiritual development, I was living life as a victim. I didn't realize that I had the power to create my life. I didn't realize that I was the one playing out all the patterns in my life. A lot of my pattern at that point was asking the question, why is this happening to me? Why does this keep happening? Why does he always say this? Or why does he always do that? And on and on. I had no idea that I was the common denominator throughout all of the threads, throughout all the, the places in my life, whether the experience was challenging or triumphant. I did not believe or think that I was the cause of that experience. 
Now, this, of course, carried over into all of my romantic relationships. And there were uh, a, a handful of patterns that I really played out in my romantic relationships. One was that I could not seem to get past the two-year ceiling with longer-term partners. There was something that happened around a year and a half where I would start to lose interest or we would start, the the conflict would really escalate. Um, and I, I just could not seem to get past that mark with men. Now, my pattern was I would fall fast and I would fall hard. So I would meet a man and I would make him my whole world. I would become utterly consumed with him. And at that point in time, I would start to pull away from friendships. Uh, a lot of my free time, I would allow to become consumed with this relationship. And I would give it, I would give him my all. I would make him my whole world. Now, you know, in most of these relationships, we were having great sex in the beginning. And I started to get to a peak level of interest. And then there would be some sort of fizzling or burning out. And I never knew how to work past that peak in these relationships. So my pattern was, okay, great. Well, let's start to work our way out of the relationship. Let's end it. And, you know, we'll move on to the next person. Now, the interesting thing that I started noticing when I looked back in retrospect was the very next person for most of my previous partners after me was the one for them. So a lot of my previous partners after their relationship with me went on to get married, have kids, you know, really build their career. And when I noticed that, I thought, oh my goodness, this is so fascinating. I'm the very last woman they dated before they found the one that they really fell in love with for the long term. And when I realized that, I had no idea how to feel about that. I had no idea what to make of that. And I sort of played it off and said, all right, well, maybe I was the prep. I prepped them for their relationship. And I thought to myself, well, when when am I going to have my happily ever after? When am I going to find my one? I believe he's out there. And I believe that he or they are out there. So if I'm being the prep for all of these men that I'm dating, then when do I get to have that for me? Now, I saw that pattern playing out simultaneously. Looking back in retrospect, I also saw the pattern playing out of me being a fixer, me being a fixer of men. So I would often find men that I considered to be projects in some way. And let me share with you in full disclosure that they became my project without their consent or permission. So I would try to show them the light, if you will. I had always considered myself to be uh, one who was interested in personal development. And so I found men that I tried to fix up. I found men that I made projects in some way or other, and I would work on them. And again, they did not consent to this. And at the time, many times I had no idea that this is what I was doing. This just seemed like a natural course of action. And I would write it off as being nurturing, um, being a leader, guiding, leading the way, being noble, being generous. And while that was a really good excuse for my ego to make at the time, 
what I had realized in retrospect that this was a stance and a position that kept me defended. It kept my heart closed. It kept me feeling safe because if I could position myself as a woman in their life that they needed because of the value I brought to the relationship, then they would always want me. That means that I would eliminate or at least significantly reduce the risk of rejection, the risk of abandonment, the risk of being left, the risk of um, not being good enough. Now, this was <sighs> this was a narrative that I had already internalized about myself. I had already thought I wasn't good enough. Now, mind you, I didn't walk around in my everyday life thinking I'm not good enough. I need to find a way to prove myself. I need to prove myself to this man and this employer and everyone else in the world. But this was the subconscious narrative that completely ran my life. And it manifested in these behaviors that I wrote off as noble, as generous, as nurturing, as being a good partner. Because if I can show you this path to spiritual and personal development, then you're going to be better off for it. So don't you want to come walk with me on my path? Now, that's a lot to take in. And I want to pause for a moment and ask for you to reflect if you're open to it, if there are any places in your life, if you are a single woman who has not seemed to really understand how love works, or you find yourself playing out these patterns, are there places where your heart feels defended, where you feel that you are behaving in a way that keeps you safe, that keeps you safe from rejection, from abandonment, whether that means you're finding projects and fixer-uppers in the menu date, whether you're not really dating at all and you're keeping your heart guarded so that you don't have to risk being rejected at all because you're not really putting yourself out there, or whether you're um, attracting another kind of man and that's a pattern that you consistently play out. Is there a part of you that has a fear and is there a part of you that's trying to keep yourself safe? So in my love life, I noticed these patterns. And then I also noticed the pattern that when I fell in love with a man, I appeased a lot. I lacked boundaries. I lacked emotional boundaries, energetic boundaries, physical boundaries. I often said yes when my answer deep down inside was not a yes, but I had no way of understanding what a yes and a no actually felt like in my body. So at that point in my life, in my 20s and you know early 30s I I couldn't have said no if I tried because I had no idea what no meant and I would go back and forth between saying yes 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 to try and please because I feared that if I didn't please I would be rejected I'd be abandoned and that would prove the narrative that I already held about myself which was that I wasn't quote unquote enough so I pleased as much as I could. And then I became completely burnt out and resentful because I didn't have boundaries. And then the adaptive behavior, the, the compensatory behavior on the backside of that was becoming very rigid, becoming like Fort Knox and having so many boundaries because I was so burnt out. And how dare you take advantage of me, which was another narrative that I had, by the way, that the world is out to get me. The world's out to take advantage. A man's only going to break my heart. So now I got to put up the walls. 
because I'm burnt out and it's everyone else's fault but mine. Okay, so that sounds like a whole mind fuck, like an entire shit show of a love life. And mind you, it felt like that in my body, but to my mind, I was just doing the best I can, the best I could. And we all are. I really, really believe that. So, you know, I ask women often when I work with them, especially women who are really wanting to call in love, what what these behaviors may represent, what the steadfast, rigid boundaries represent, what you're trying to keep yourself safe from or protect yourself from, what you're trying to avoid, what you feel fearful of. And then we go way back into childhood, which is where all of this begins. And, you know, we form these early ideas about love, which is what I call a love blueprint, like our original love blueprint. You can think of like the blueprint for a house. It is the design for how the house is to be built and it informs how the house functions because often structure informs the way something functions, right? The structure of a house informs the way it functions, the structure of our bodies and whether they're healthful or not informs the way they function and the structure and our ideas and narratives and blueprint about love informs the way we function and show up in love. So where do we get that original love blueprint is from our household growing up. We learned it from our parents or our caregivers. It's the kind of love we received or didn't receive growing up. It's what we saw between our parents and caregivers. And just for the note, I'm going to use parents and caregivers interchangeably. You may have been raised by somebody else, but whoever raised you and what you got to witness growing up is how you formed your ideas about relationship. Now, I formed my ideas about relationship based on my parents' relationship. I have a mom and dad that were married and they're still married to this day. And what I saw them exhibit in their love or sometimes lack thereof as I perceived it for each other and what I received from them was the exact idea I thought love was supposed to be. So a lot of what I saw growing up, in addition to love and care here and there, was constant arguing, the ping-ponging back and forth of codependence, where they were completely emotionally enmeshed and dependent on each other, and then the oppositional force of that, which is hyper-independence, where they would go and travel for work for months at a time and not see each other. And often I would not see one or both parents for months and at one point in my life for years at a time. There was a point in my childhood from about two to four or two to five where both of my parents traveled for work and I only saw them on holidays. I was living with extended family between New York and New Jersey every week, traveling back and forth as a, a young toddler. And so this really impacted my concept of safety, safe relationship, love, um, whether or not I perceived I was lovable and worthy of keeping my parents' love. Because even though to an adult who knows that these two adults are traveling for work, as my child, as a child, I had no way of understanding like, oh, these are my parents. They're traveling for work. My mom's a flight attendant. My dad's a truck driver. This is how they make money. The meaning that I made of that is I'm not lovable. So they're going away and I can't seem to get them back. 
for years at a time and then for months at a time. And so I, from a very young age, internalized a sense of undesirability, undeservability, unworthiness, unlovability in terms of what I was as a person. And I brought all of those meanings that I made as a young child, which weren't necessarily the definitive objective truth, but that was what my child brain made meaning of. I brought that into my adult relationships, which is what caused me to appease and people please and try and prove my worthiness, try and prove that this man or this man needs me, try and prove my value. Because I thought if I could do all those things, then I'd finally overcome the early narrative I created, which was, I just need to get you to find a way to stick around. I need you to stick around because mom and dad didn't stick around. So I got to get my man to stick around because at all these earlier points in my dating life, that was my source of love. I had not yet cultivated the ability to understand that I could be the source of that for myself. And in truth, as I guide women through the one of the most powerful love experiences that they'll ever have in the work that I do with, with clients one-on-one and in really powerful, intimate group settings, this is the secret that's hidden in plain sight. And I'm going to give you the, 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 um, the teaser of all teasers for what creates successful love is creating that relationship with ourselves. It is not cliche at all. This is the foundation of what allows us to go on to build a safe, secure, yet sexy relationship with a partner is do we have that with ourselves? Have we done the inner work to create that with ourselves? So as I digress, going back to childhood, this is the meaning I made. Take a moment to ask yourself what meaning you might have made from what you saw growing up. Now, what I also saw growing up was a lack of effective communication. I saw a lot of defensiveness, anger, denial, projection of emotions from one parent onto the other, um, parents distorting the story, um, a lot of dissociation, and a lot of each parent trying to change the other. So I had a very warped sense of what love and relationship actually meant. And this is just the Cliff Notes version of what I witnessed growing up. And unfortunately, this this is what most of us witnessed growing up to varying degrees of severity. Now, some of us did have the great fortune of growing up in a household where both parents were present, they loved each other, or where there was at least one caregiver present who really loved us and taught us some very valuable life lessons and taught us about effective communication and healthy sexuality, but this is not the majority of us. So uh, we formed an early love blueprint that was contorted and that was on many fronts dysfunctional, not functional to creating a healthy, balanced, nurturing relationship with another person or with ourselves. So I saw myself take on all of these tendencies in relationships and in the relationships that became the most intimate when I was really 
seen by my partner, I took on a lot of the defensive protective patterns that I saw one or both of my parents play out, whether that was becoming anxiously attached and really moving in to try and secure safety for myself. And that could have been really poking and prodding and not giving my partner space, not honoring their boundaries, needing an answer right then and there when conflict was arising. That might've been becoming really avoidant and pushing them away and stonewalling them and making them work hard for my love, making them prove themselves to me. Uh, I had defensive tendencies. I had angry tendencies. I would shut down. I would dissociate. I would freeze. I would become completely numb in certain situations and not feel anything at all. These were all of my trauma responses playing out because of unresolved emotions and energy that was stuck in my body. From all of these instances in early childhood, when I didn't know how to process what I was witnessing and experiencing. And this is how trauma works. We store all of these instances and memories in our bodies. And even if cognitively we're aware that that thing's not happening anymore, our body is constantly playing out these narratives because most of us don't have tools and access to practitioners that can help us actually create resolution, not just in our minds through a talk-based modality like therapy, but in our nervous systems, which is a fundamental part of our human experience, which is often overlooked. So I had all this stored trauma, all this stored memories, emotions, energy in my body, and it was just like a broken record on repeat, which is what caused me to continue playing out all these patterns with men. Now, when I finally had a uh, a stint of being single while dating as a young, successful, good-looking, intelligent woman in New York City, I then played out another set of patterns. I would use dating multiple men as a way to create novelty in my life. And I loved novelty. I loved dating men. I loved really consensual sex with new partners. I enjoyed variety and I really enjoyed the hits of dopamine that I received from all of these new partners. I was able to really court attention and receive the validation that I was longing for that at the time I hadn't built the deep capability to provide for myself. I was looking for a provider. Now, there's a time and place when we talk about wanting to have a man show up as a provider. And I I think about this and I talk about this often with clients because deep down as women, so many of us crave to know that our man can provide for us. We can provide for ourselves, let's be clear. And even though we can provide for ourselves and we've created careers and we have beautiful lives, it's also really nice and it creates like a very deep level of safety to know that our man wants to show up for us in that way. Now, I was outsourcing a lot of this provision as far as validating and giving myself love and approval to men. And while I was trying to date as consciously as possible and really discuss matters of the heart and my needs and preferences and desires, I was still really outsourcing a lot of what I was meant to provide for myself to these men. 
And again, at the time I was doing this, I didn't have full awareness of it. I was operating as consciously as possible, but I really was looking to men to provide for me the love that I craved that I didn't get from early childhood in the way that I really wanted and needed it all the way through adulthood. So I found myself going through these feast or famine cycles where I would date a bunch and I would have a rotation, as I referred to it, of awesome men. And then that would become really overwhelming because I couldn't seem to find the one. I was playing out these patterns. I thought it was everybody else but me. And then I would cut out dating altogether. And I would go through periods of celibacy, not dating fuck men, fuck dating, fuck relationships. I can do it on my own. And I would just ping pong back and forth. So a lot of my life has been spent ping ponging back and forth between being single, being highly committed and completely giving myself over, being hyper-independent, being hyper-codependent, pushing men away, being completely enmeshed, you know, celibacy, lots of sex, and everything in between. Now, you may hear some similarities in your life. And, you know, I, throughout this time, I just really had a hard time understanding what my deep preferences and desires were, what my boundaries were, what my, uh, what my needs were, because I hadn't really taken a step back to ask myself what all of that was. Now, eventually I got to this tipping point where I was like, fuck this. I'm I'm clearly there's a pattern. And eventually with enough banging my head against a wall, I was like, all right, I am the common denominator here. These men come and go, these relationships come and go, and I'm the one left with me at the end of the day. So I've got to have something to do with this. Finally, I was able to ask, what is my part in all of this? And that was around the time when I really started asking questions. I started going on my my deep spiritual journey in my 20s. I started really seeking spiritual practices, spiritual teachers, learning more about the nature of our human thought, the nature of existence, really starting to look deeper at my emotions, at um, my, my body, how I perceive myself, how I feel about myself. And it was around that time, and I've shared this in past episodes, where I met a man that I thought was for sure the one. Really, I mean, beautiful, tall, tan, handsome, charismatic, on a spiritual journey, an entrepreneur, pursuing his dreams. And I, again threw myself into this relationship, head over heels, just, oh my God, this is the one. He's everything. I will make him my everything and I will do whatever it takes to show him that I am perfect because there's no way I'm going to let this one go. Now, this was an interesting juxtaposition for me because I was this, you know, sort of like hot as shit, young, successful, professional, intelligent. But when it came to love, that confidence sometimes melted away. Now in dating, I felt very confident. I was a flirt to the nth degree. 
I had all my pickup lines. I was good at pursuing. I was good at flirting and letting myself be pursued. But then when push came to shove and the guards came down and I really got into a relationship, I struggled very, very deeply. And I I seemed to lose this sense of confidence in myself. And that was exactly what happened in this relationship. And I gave my all to it. I completely became permeable, lost my sense of self and my boundaries. And I did everything I could to make myself perfect for this man because that's what I thought he needed. Now, he never said this. He never asked for it. But I I perceived that this is what I needed to do and who I needed to be to keep the love of a man that I thought was the one. And so I would often wake up and shower. I would do my makeup before he woke up and get back into bed and pretended I woke up that way. I would cook. I would keep myself in shape. And, you know, the competing narrative here, because on the outside, this looked great. I was healthy. I was in shape. I was vibrant. I have a great personality. But inside what was happening was I was crumbling because there was a part of me that was perceiving that I wasn't good enough as I was. So I needed to keep doing more and working harder to be better for him and for the world because inside I wasn't enough. And again, this was the narrative I created in in very early childhood. I wasn't enough for mom and dad for them to stay around and love me. And again, this was a narrative. This wasn't the truth, but this was the meaning I made of them being away for years and months at a time. And that was a narrative that I had never fully reconciled within me. So I was playing it out with this man that I was projecting the role of mom and dad onto him. So we do this in relationship. We project our early caregivers and early significant people in our lives onto our partners. Now, it sounds like a whole mind fuck, but this is a really intelligent way that we play patterns out from early childhood so that if we are conscious enough to see the patterns and if we're willing enough to work through them, we can actually resolve some of the early childhood wounding in our adult relationships. So here I was trying to resolve this early narrative I'd created of not being good enough with this man, but not aware enough that that's what I was doing. So I played this out and really burnt myself out. I mean, to the point of severe health challenge, hives and cystic breakouts on my face. And then one day he up and left. He left. And he said he was moving from New York, where we lived, to California to pursue his career. And that was it, like without any notice. And as you can imagine, I completely crumbled. That confirmed the narrative that I had in my mind, which was, I am not enough. Here we are again. I did everything I could to be perfect for you. And it's still not enough to keep you around. I made myself quote unquote perfect. What more can I do? How can I do more? How can I be more? And even when I do all the things I can think of, it's not enough. Then what the fuck? What the actual fuck? I was completely destroyed. And that was really the time when I had understood uh, something's got to change. 
Now, the, the story goes on. And if you've been listening to the show or heard any of my other podcasts, then you've heard this story potentially, but the the pattern continued. He left. I continued trying to keep the connection alive because it's what I thought I needed to do. It was the the last shred of hope for the kind of love I thought I needed to have in my life to prove my worthiness. And I didn't process my confusion, my anger, my sadness, my grief, my complete and utter sense of loss. And what I did instead was I threw myself into my work. I threw myself into my workouts. I distracted myself. I went out to happy hours. I all the things to avoid feeling my feelings. And I did that for months, hardcore, hardcore. And my body finally gave out. And one day I woke up and even ignoring the hives on my body, the cystic breakouts on my face, the utter exhaustion, I woke up and the entire left side of my face was paralyzed. I could not move it. None of the muscles seemed to work. And if you looked at my face, I looked like two different people with two different expressions. The left side being completely numb and void of any emotion, any expression, almost any life. And the right side of my face still able to smile and frown and wink and wince. And this was a real tipping point for me. And I kid you not, even the day that this occurred, I thought to myself, you know what? I will just sleep it off. Like that's how deep in denial I was. That's how deeply dissociated I was from the pain of my experience that I thought I'll sleep it off and I'll wake up and I'll just keep going. I was so existentially afraid to fall apart that even when I was falling apart, I ignored the fact that I was completely destroyed on every level, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, all of it. And so when, to my surprise, I woke up and I could not sleep this thing off, I went to an emergency walk-in clinic. I think it was a Sunday. I saw a doctor. He had me in and out in 10 minutes with no bedside manner, no empathy for what I could have been going through, which was a mirror for the fact that I had no empathy for myself. And then I just wanted to be gone with this inconvenience. The thing that kept me from continuing to play out my dysfunction he sent me out the door with all these prescriptions and said, this was Bell's palsy. I was like, what the fuck is Bell's palsy? Looked it up. Okay. A neurological condition that really affects the function of the muscles in the face. And I'm like, all right. So I'm standing in the Walgreens pharmacy now in, in lower Manhattan. And I'm like having an existential crisis because here I have three prescriptions ready to be filled. I think maybe an antiviral, a steroid and something else. And I'm like, I, I, there's got to be a better way. This was my come to God, come to goddess moment. And I was like, I am at cause for this. This would not be happening in my body if I didn't create the exact right conditions for this thing to occur. While I was told Bell's palsy could be a part of a viral infection, I asked myself, 
what did I do or not do to create the exact perfect storm in my body that a viral infection could really take root and play itself out? What did I do to really compromise my immunity, my emotional and physical health, that this could now be expressing itself through something called Bell's palsy? And I said, okay, I'm not going to fill this prescription. I'm going to cancel them all. Fuck it. And I'm going to work with alternative health providers to figure out what this is. And I'm going to go on my inner journey because I created this. So now I need to figure it out. And this was my call. This was my heroine's journey. Just like when Harry Potter and Bilbo Baggins get their call and they don't want to hear the call and Bilbo is really comfortable in his life on the Shire, not wanting to go heed the call for the journey. That was where I was until I finally, it got to a point where I had to listen. I had to go and see what this was all about. So I canceled the prescriptions. I started working with two Chinese medicine doctors and did intensive acupuncture with electrical stimulation to the face, intensive, very painful massage course courses and courses of Chinese herbs multiple times a day, which were not tasty at all. Um, a lot of deep work with coaches, with therapists, and really going inward, really taking work off my plate, stepping back from all the things I had built my identity around, working, working out, going out, being social. I had to stop all of that. I just didn't have a choice. And this was the journey that changed my life forever. I stepped back from dating and I started to date myself. I started to ask, what are my needs? What are my boundaries? What are my desires? I started to, for the first time in my life, have empathy for myself and start to develop what my idea of empathy even is. And so I went through this healing process for months, months, my face was paralyzed. For months, I looked like Jekyll and Hyde. And for a woman who had built so much of my identity on my physical appearance and my good looks, this was a real blow to my ego for months to have cystic breakouts, hives, all sorts of ways my body was making me conventionally undesirable. I had to contend with the fact that now maybe I actually was undesirable in a conventional sense. And could I be with the fear of what it meant to be undesirable? Fuck. What does it mean to walk out of my front door and not want to show my face, not want to show my body the thing that I had paraded around as a way to earn love and approval and validation. Now I couldn't do that. Now I had to actually figure out what sourcing that from inside of me actually meant. And I, I can even feel some emotion rise up as I share this because I'm like, fuck, I brought myself to my own knees. I created all of this so that I could understand that it's not any of this glitz and glamour that happens outside, it has to be an internal thing. And so I went through this healing process for months and months and came out on the other side, nearly completely recovered. I remember going to my neurologist just for good measure. I 
you know, the neurologist, I saw him three times over the course of these multiple months. And he said, Lee, take the prescription. I'm telling you, take the prescription. I, I don't know if you're going to heal from this. And that was a hard thing to hear from a medical doctor, a very well-qualified medical doctor. And I said, no, like, I appreciate your opinion, but I'm not going to take the prescription. I'm confident in the course of healing that I'm pursuing with these Chinese medicine doctors, with this acupuncture and, and everything else I'm doing. And by the final appointment, when I was about 90% recovered, he said, I don't know how you did it. I didn't want to tell you this along the way, but you're one of the worst cases I had ever seen. And I'm shocked that you made a recovery. I'm shocked that it looks like you never had Bell's palsy at all. And I really attribute that to the fact that I was finally willing to do my inner work. I was finally willing to become the one for myself that I was seeking in all of these men. And it was a fucking journey. It was a process. And that is exactly what this journey to calling in the one is all about. It is becoming the one to ourselves in all of the obvious ways and all of the covert undercover ways that we still have incongruence in our emotions toward ourselves and our nervous system that keeps us from really calling in the one in a male partner. And that is what this love experience that I'm going to tell you all about in just a little while is all about. It is all about becoming the one to call in the one. That is what this experience is all about. Now, I'll give you a little more of a fun backstory before I roll out the red carpet for this grand finale and tell you why I changed the podcast name from the way of the high priestess to aligned attraction, what aligned attraction even is, what my mission in the world is and and what this love experience is all about and how you can create this for yourself if you so choose. So I went through this healing process and years had passed. I was finally ready to get back into the world of love and dating. And one of the pieces of advice that I got from a love coach, which is what a lot of a lot of us do as women, and I, I find it so charming, is we make our list. We make our list of what we want in a man, and we might have physical attributes on this list. We might have emotional attributes, how we're going to feel when we're with him, what we're going to do, where we're going to go, how much money we'll make, and all the things that the amount of kids we'll have, et cetera. So as a a well-intentioned single woman who knew I had everything going for her, I made my list. I made my list. And this was a working list. And I remember one day having another come to God, come to goddess moment where I made the list. And I one of the things on my list was this man is going to be able to hold me in all of my emotions. I could laugh. I could cry. I could be at the lowest of lows and he's not going to get scared away. He's not going to shudder. He's not going to waver. He's not going to go anywhere. He's going to hold me and he's going to tell me that everything's going to be okay. 
And I wrote this and I kid you not in the midst of writing this, I was like, holy fucking shit. I'm asking for this from somebody else. And I still cannot show up for myself in this way because when I get to my lowest of lows, I want to turn away from myself. I know I want to avoid and distract and fix and change and go do this other thing and tell myself that I shouldn't be feeling this way, that I should be high vibe, that I should be positive. How dare I be ungrateful? Uh, This is too uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. I'll be on Instagram or social media or Facebook instead. I'll eat instead. I'll find a man to fuck instead. I'll watch this Netflix show instead. I shouldn't be feeling this way. And on and on and on. And I was like, wow, well, this is quite revealing. I'm asking for someone to show up for me in a way that I'm not willing to show up for myself. Damn. Mic drop breakthrough moment. And in that moment, I dropped to my knees and I bawled my eyes. I remember being in the bedroom, in my tiny little Brooklyn apartment in New York City, thinking, fuck, I still got some work to do. So in that moment, I decided to make it my mission to look at my list and on that list become all of those things that I would not stop until I became this partner to myself, trusting, hoping, wishing, praying that if I did that, by the law of the universe, I would naturally attract people who were really doing their inner work as well. And that was what I did. And I just made that my mission to not look for something outside of myself that I wasn't willing to be to myself first. And I shit you not, I shit you not, within a mere months of really going all in on that, I met Ani, my partner, my beloved, the man that I hold, oh my God, with the most incredible regard. This man, I'm going to just take a moment to gush because this fucking man is just incredible. I have no words. Oh my God. The, the emotions and the feelings that are pulsing through my body right now, the way this man has impacted my life, the way he has shown me what love, unconditional, unwavering love is all about, the way he has supported me, the way he has provided for me, the way he's fucked me, the way he has wiped my tears and snot, the way he has celebrated me, the way he has called me forth to my highest potential. Holy fucking shit. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. I will go on in many episodes to gush about this man because I have finally become the person to attract the person that has helped me dramatically change my life, that has helped me to become the woman I've always known I I am, but that have somewhere forgotten about along the way. That is Ani. That is my beloved, my boo, my man, my beau, my ride or die. And it was in me becoming that partner to myself that made me ready, that made me attractive to a man that was willing and wanting and desiring and craving to show up for me in that way. This is how energetics work. We have to be what we wish to attract. So look at your list. Look at your list 
and ask if you are the partner to yourself that you are wanting to attract in a man. And I'll I'll tell you, I, I will save some of mine and Ani's backstory for future episodes, but I will tell you that the work doesn't end once you find the man. That is, you end one chapter and you begin a whole new chapter. And it's a beautiful unraveling chapter of love and self-discovery and challenge and triumph and all of it. But I will tell you that the secret that is hiding in plain sight that if you never listened to another one of my episodes, you never read another book on love, you never participated in any of my programs, you never did work with me, if you walk away from this podcast episode and you take this home play assignment on with a full heart and you decide to look at all of the ways in which you want this man to show up for you emotionally and otherwise, and you become that partner to yourself, you will start to attract people who are really, really, really showing up. Now, if there's something standing in the way between you and that love, then there are patterns you're playing out. There are narratives you hold. There are ideas and concepts about love and relationships and potentially about yourself and men that are keeping you from having the kind of love that I'm describing, the kind of love where this man shows up as unwavering, unconditional, where he he takes and he gives direction. He's clear. He's on a mission. He has a purpose. He is attractive. He's emotionally attuned. He's committed. He wants to provide And he wants to celebrate your power in being able to provide for yourself. He's not competing with you. He's celebrating you. All of these qualities require for you to show up for yourself in that way first. That is the sort of way that I'm going to spoil the surprise. And to get from where you are to where you currently, but to get from where you currently are to where you want to go You have to go on the inner journey to finding all the places you hold these narratives about yourself and love and men and relationships and sex and your body and sexuality that are incongruent with this ideal love that you want to create. Because I can promise you that if you're not already in that relationship, there is incongruency in how you think and feel about all of these things if not consciously, then subconsciously, that is keeping you from having that result now. And what I'm about to share with you is the way to completely start to clear up those incongruencies and to go on the journey to doing the inner work and play to becoming and unraveling and revealing the woman inside of you that is so badass and powerful, that is receptive and surrendered that allows herself to be led yet can also lead herself, that is playful and powerful and nurturing, that has boundaries, that is aware of her needs, that is connected to her desires, connected to her body, connected to her sexual preferences, that is expressed, that is authentic. Like all of these attributes are who you are when we strip away these false narratives and identities that you formed in childhood or that you formed as a result of past heartbreak, 
past heartbreak and past trauma. All right. So now, drum roll, please. That is exactly what aligned attraction is all about. This is the love experience of a lifetime that is unlike anything I have ever seen out there in terms of a space and a program that helps successful single women go on the inner journey to become the one so that they can attract the one. And that is the love of committed masculine men. Whether you want to have multiple committed masculine men in your life or the one, the one, the ultimate, this is that love experience. And I want to share with you everything about that love experience. So I want to give you um, a free gift that's going to tune you into all of that. I created a free workshop just for you that is going to tell you about how you can create this for yourself. It's going to walk you through the four vital steps to being a single successful woman who is single to being a successful, powerful woman who is attracting committed masculine men and is creating meaningful relationships that are going to ready you for the ultimate relationship of your life. So what I want you to do is go to alignedattraction.com backslash workshop, and that is where you're going to find this free workshop that I created just for you that's going to walk you through all of this because this is what life is all about, is going on the inner journey, is being in relationship to ourselves and with each other is being in romantic partnership and getting to know and discover ourselves and discover and be so intimately connected with another human being that it feels like we are one. And not in a codependent enmeshed way, but in a spiritual, we have dissolved all boundaries sort of way, all limits sort of way. So this is aligned attraction. And I want to share this experience with you. And the first step in going on that journey is tuning into this free workshop and really, really understanding what this journey entails and deciding if this is the time for you to go on this journey. So go to alignedattraction.com backslash workshop, because, you know, I'm, I'm really of the belief in having experienced all forms of singledom and celibacy and dating and fucking and deep, deep relationship where I know I have found my person and he has found me. I have been able to resolve some of the deepest wounds and some of the most painful narratives in relationship because they got created in relationship originally with my parents. And I decided to do the inner work and resolve those wounds in relationship with my now beloved Ani. And I will tell you that It is only through relationship that we are going to completely transform all the fuckery that we're seeing in the world right now, because all the, all of the pain and heartbreak and trauma and tragedy that we're seeing play out in the world is as a result of unresolved trauma and emotions that were formed in people when they were young and they just didn't have a space to resolve these wounds. And we play these wounds out in our lives. And that's what keeps us single. That's what keeps us in pain. 
And we now have an opportunity to write the ship and to create through conscientiousness, to create a love of our dreams, a life of our dreams, a world of our dreams, where we get to be, as one of my clients says, force multipliers for each other, where with our powers combined, we get to create a fantastic, phenomenal life of success and love and connection and travel and amazing sex and amazing experiences and unlimited provision for ourselves, for our families and for the world. And my goddess, if that's not what we're doing with our lives, then I don't know what the fuck we would be doing out here. We're certainly not just living this life to make money. We're certainly not living this life just to be bodies walking around. So this is my call to you. This is my call. If you are a successful single woman and you are about damn done with being single and playing out patterns and banging your head against a wall and you want to know what the fuck you would need to shift to become the one for yourself so that you can attract the one in a committed male partner, then go to alignedattraction.com backslash workshop. And that is a free workshop that I made for you because you are ready to walk the profound path to transformation, a path beyond your wildest imagination to really becoming the fullest, most powerful version of yourself. So you can attract a fucking badass man who is your equal and your partner. Okay. I'm going to link that in the show notes below, and I'm going to give you a little teaser for the next episode. And in the next episode, I'm going to talk about why high achieving women are having such a hard time at finding love. Like what is the culprit for that? What's the cause for it? What's the root cause of our love challenges and how we overcome them. So one more time, if you want to get started on that journey now, go to alignedattraction.com backslash workshop, and that is going to really help you dive in to how you can go on this journey for yourself right now. All right, my love, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to my story. I trust that it resonated and that there were so many morsels of truth and wisdom that you can take with you. I invite you to take on that home play assignment and really become that best partner for yourself. And I will see you in the next episode. I'm sending you so much love and good vibes until then. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show and spread the love by sharing this episode out on social media and to all the powerful women in your life. And if you're ready to play full out and create heart-throbbing love, hop on over to my website to see all the juicy ways you can do just that. www.leenoto.com Fellow wild woman, I appreciate you. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and all the good vibes.